Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for Hot Topics in Pharmacy Practice podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members sit down to discuss what's new and ongoing in the world of pharmacy practice. My name is Eric Marika, Senior Director, Center on Pharmacy Practice Advancement here at ASHP. I will be your host today for this edition of ASHP Hot Topics in Pharmacy Practice podcast. Today, we will be discussing aspects of the draft NIOSH list of hazardous drugs in healthcare settings 2020. With me today are Patricia Keenley, Director, Accreditation and Medication Safety, Cardinal Health, and Dr. Michael Ganio, Senior Director, Pharmacy Practice and Quality at ASHP. Thanks for joining us today, Patty and Mike. Uh, let's get started today um, to talk about the topic 2020 NIOSH list of hazardous drugs in healthcare settings. So Patty, first question for you, it's what is the NIOSH list? Uh, and can you just go into what drugs actually go on the NIOSH list? Sure. This goes back to actually 1990 when the definition of what's a hazardous drug, and we're talking about drugs that are hazardous to us as healthcare professionals, the ASHP guidelines document at that point defined that, and that's really become the really international standard of what's a hazardous drug. So it's those that are carcinogens or genotoxins, teratogens, organ toxicity at low doses, or other reproductive toxins. Well, along the way, NIOSH, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, which is a division of CDC, picked up on that. And in 2004, NIOSH put out an alert that defined all this and and really looked at what we needed to do about handling hazardous drugs appropriately. And that was the first time there was a list of hazardous drugs, which was based on information from four clinical centers at the time. So the drugs that are listed on here are, remember, these are the raw materials of these drugs. So it's the toxicity of the molecule that matters. And certainly how we handle them can be mitigated based on what kind of dosage form we use. And that's why USP 800 put in an assessment of risk possibility because we need to identify those drugs that we handle, but we also don't have to handle them all the same way because the difference in dosage forms and how they're manipulated are different in each organization. So generally, and this is highly oversimplified, but we're talking about carcinogens and reproductive hazards. The list started back in 2004 and has been updated several times. And um, that's essentially what the history of this has been. Great. And building on that, can you tell us a little bit more about the process for actually updating the current list? Sure. Uh, the list is a federal guidance document. And so like anything that is proposed by the federal government, there's an open comment period. Um, the list has been updated roughly every two years, uh, going back for the last decade or so. Um, and when a drug is proposed for addition, it goes out for comment. And if there's a public comment period, the expert panel that's reviewing them will review the comments, make a determination, and publish a final list. Um, so what happened in 2018, um, there was a planned update to the list. And NIOSH had actually put out some, some additional information for comment on the structure of the list. And there were a lot of comments on the structure. So what was due to be released in 2018 
has actually been delayed until 2020. So what we're seeing right now is the first proposed update to the list um, as far as a draft since 2016. Um, and we'll hopefully have a final list by the end of this year, but depending on how many comments, it may go into 2021 before we see the final list. And what types of changes are we seeing to the, the 2020 list? Well, the big changes I see, and there certainly are a lot of drugs that have been moved from one table to another, is we've been dealing with three tables for a number of years, and this compresses it into two tables. And it's a much more distinctive reason that a hazardous drug is on table one. You know, we tend to think of it as an antineoplastic because that's the way it's been done all along. Well, the revision, this 2020 revision, has sort of three criteria why something could, could wind up on table one. It either meets that definition of a hazardous drug and it has manufacturer's handling instructions that are there. Or the second way it might wind up on there is if it's listed as a known carcinogen by the National Toxicology Program. The third way a thing winds up on table one is the one that we've generally been dealing with all along, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, IARC. If it's a known or probable human carcinogen, it winds up on table one. So table two then becomes anything else that's identified as a hazardous drug by that definition we mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Great. Now, considering some of these changes, uh, are these what you would consider good changes? Yeah. Um, for ASHP's comments in the 2018 proposed list, um, we actually are excited to see the changes in 2020. So if you go back and you look at our comments, we had made the recommendation to shift away from stratifying drugs by this uh, system. So the understanding by most was that the risk stratification uh, put the riskier drugs in table one, and that's not how the table was intended uh, or that the documents intended. So what was being done is the AHFS classification, in this case, the antineoplastic category, was being used to automatically categorize drugs into table one. Um, but that's a therapeutic category. That's not a pharmacologic category. So a drug that has an anti-neoplastic indication, but could be, uh, you know, an, an anti-hormonal agent or uh, some other monoclonal antibody, something that doesn't have a direct cytotoxic or genotoxic effect, would still land in table one. Uh, and again, that, that sort of gave this perception that there's a, a stratification of risk. Um, so by recategorizing them into the carcinogenic or non-carcinogenic, it actually gives it a little bit more structure um, it doesn't arbitrarily put drugs into a riskier or, or higher level category based on what USP 800 requirements were perceived uh, to be. It, it actually uh, sorts them a little bit more appropriately. Uh, I will say not all of the changes were good depending on your perspective. So uh, the lists will no longer consider drugs that are approved through the biologic pathway, through the uh, biologics license application. So a drug like BCG that had been on the list previously is no longer on the list because it's it falls out of the scope of NIOSH. So unfortunately, that can send a wrong message to healthcare personnel who handle biologics like BCG. Um, but otherwise, the uh, operations implementing the list, I think, become a little bit cleaner, a little bit more easily defined with the new changes. So speaking about operations, what what do these changes mean to the practitioner and those pharmacy practice leaders that have to put this into practice? 
You know, I think people automatically think of USP 800, obviously, when you're talking about hazardous drugs. And there's been some concern that there might be a disconnect between how this new list is handled and how 800 is handled. But there isn't. That's been fixed. Um, a minor fix, I think it was. In uh, effective July 1 of this year, July 1, 2020, there's a slight change in 800. And it points to how we can use this list. And what it says now, if you look at it's section two, box one, if you wanna look at that in 800, it says now for the purposes of this chapter, meaning 800, the term anti-neoplastic only refers to anti-neoplastic drugs included in table one of the most current NIOSH list. So this slight wording change actually makes 800 fine, whether we're dealing with the current 2016 list or the proposals as they're intended to go through for the 2020 list. So that's a good thing. But as Mike says, we still need to be you know, cognizant of what's going on here. Just because VCG, for example, isn't on the list, doesn't suddenly make it a safe drug. Uh, we have to you know, kind of look at that as well. So here's how I would kind of look at this from as you're planning your annual update for your assessment of risk. Obviously, you need to look at both the, the way the drugs are listed now in the 2016 list, as well as 2020. But take a look at those table one anti-neoplastics that you need to manipulate, or of course, any active pharmaceutical ingredient of any of the hazardous drugs that are on that list. Now, personally, I would also treat those other table one meds that have to be manipulated with all the cautions possible, even though it's not technically required by, by 800. And I'd also like to consider keeping some of those table two anti-neoplastics that I've been dealing with as a table one med all along. So, you know, kind of take a look at that. We always can do more than what we're absolutely minimally required to do, of course. And then you might want to take a look at the table one anti-neoplastics that you only need to counter package and other hazardous drugs that are there and kind of consider that in one way. And then look at the hazardous drugs in unit of use. So I tend to think of it as a practical basis in looking at that in those three different stratifications that meld what we're required to do by 800, what the intent of that NIOSH list is, and what's practical and safe for us as healthcare professionals. You know, Patty, I think you bring up a good point is, you know, 800 requires every health system to maintain a hazardous drug list that at minimum has to include NIOSH, but that doesn't mean it can't include more drugs. So a health system could decide, probably should decide to keep a drug like BCG on the list. They have that flexibility to, to maintain their own hazardous drug list in addition to what NIOSH has described. So, and as Mike, as you said before, like the, the hormonal agents that are now in table one that are get moved to table two um, that we've all been advocating for uh, for a long time. But think of it like that the immunosuppressants, for example, have always scared me because I don't want to be breathing them in, for example. So I like the fact that they were moved to table one. So you have to kind of look at, you know, what's safe for you and what really are the risks in your own practice setting. Right. And you could have an institution that touches a drug once a year versus another hospital that's doing a drug constantly. Uh, one example of where I previously worked, we had a site dedicated to breast cancer patients. And so technicians constantly exposed to the same regimens over and over again all day versus a rural hospital may decide to treat that monoclonal antibody or part of that regimen a little bit differently because their exposure is so low. Uh, and so again, you know, the, the, drug appearing on the NIOSH list is based on the hazard of the molecule itself. It's up to each institution to determine how risky 
their exposure is for their uh, personnel. It's kind of interesting too, when you look on the ambulatory setting, estrogens are on table one because they're known human carcinogens. They have been for years, but we've never treated them like that. So people will all of a sudden say, wow, if, you know, if I'm in an ambulatory setting, and I, do I have to have a negative room for all my birth control pills? No, because you don't manipulate that dose. You're going to hand somebody that unit of use package. So you have to think of it in terms of what you're doing in your own site. Yeah, very insightful. Uh, knowing there's there's some work still to be done with the current list, you know, what are those next steps for for the NIOSH list? Well, I'm actively working on compiling ASHP's comments to submit. The deadline has been extended to July 30th. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you would like to uh, submit any comments and have them considered for ASHP's comments, um, well, first of all, you can go to the Federal Register and find the NIOSH. Um, proposed list for 2020 and submit your own comments, or if you'd like to have them considered for the ASHP submission, you can contact me via email. It's m-g-a-n-i-o at ashp.org. Again, m-g-a-n-i-o at ashp.org. And I'll be happy to take a look at any comments you might have that you want considered, obviously within uh, the deadline as it is as approaching. Uh, but once NIOSH receives those comments, as I mentioned, the, the uh, expert panel that reviews the drugs and the proposals will review all the comments. And then when they're finished reviewing them, they will put out a final list. I would anticipate toward the end of the year, if not later. Thank you, Mike. Bringing it home now with a particular example that will resonate with our members and related to the global response to our COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we've been receiving uh, questions from pharmacists who have had questions about the handling of remdesivir. What recommendations do you have that you can share uh, regarding the handling of this uh, EUA agent? Well, the one thing that I would make clear is that there's information out there that remdesivir does not meet the criteria that either ASHP or NIOSH have set forth to define a hazardous drug. Uh, and I just want to make sure it's absolutely clear that does, that does not mean that NIOSH has evaluated the drug and the risk, and it does not mean that ASHP has uh, evaluated the drug or the risk. So based on the criteria used to define a hazardous drug, uh, whether or not remdesivir is hazardous or not has not been studied by the groups that would normally make that determination. And one other thing, there was a, a really good article in May 1st, AJHP, and it was a way of taking a look at investigational agents and determining, or how, how you would determine whether you want to put it on your hazardous drug list. And I think this that article and that uh, guidelines that's in there could be used for any drug. And, you know, it matches the, the investigational use of remdesivir, of course, right now, but really it can be used for any of the drugs that you deal with. And you wonder, you know, should I be dealing with this and should I put it on my hazardous drug list? So take a look at that article. May 1 AJHP has some really good information. Well, thanks, uh, Mike and Patty. Finally, uh, I want to share some of the resources ASHP has developed and ways that ASHP is working to help their members balance their COVID-19 response with integrating business recovery plans. ASHP has developed resources and continues to be responsive to your needs in helping pharmacists care for their patients and staff. Be sure to check out our ASHP's COVID-19 Resource Center found at ashp.org which serves as a clearinghouse for more information on COVID-19 for pharmacy leaders, clinicians, and resources for patients. 
ASHP has developed policy recommendations for policymakers. Ask your legislators to support ASHP's COVID-19 recommendations. Send an email using online advocacy to advocate.ashp.org. Be kind to your mind. Headspace is now the exclusive meditation and mindfulness app for ASHP members. With Headspace, you can learn the life-changing skills of meditation and mindfulness in just a few minutes a day. Studies show that meditation helps reduce stress and burnout in health professionals while boosting happiness, compassion, resilience, and overall life satisfaction. Visit ashp.org and search Headspace to find out how you can access this free subscription for ASHP members. That's all the time we have for today. I want to again thank uh, both Patty and Mike for joining us to discuss the 2020 NIOSH list of hazardous drugs in healthcare settings to provide pharmacists and pharmacy technicians with the most up-to-date information on hazardous drug management. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP's podcast channel and join us here where we will talk with ASHP member content matter experts on a variety of clinical and practice related topics. I am Eric Morica and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.